Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. This is an episode I recorded largely last week and over the weekend. And obviously, this past weekend, uh, the tragedy that occurred, the death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, Gigi, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, their daughter, Alyssa, Christina Mauser, Sarah Chester, her daughter, Peyton, the pilot, like, there's nine people that died in a really tragic helicopter crash. And um, you know, if there ever is a pop culture icon, it's one that doesn't need a last name and that's Kobe. And like, I don't know a ton about basketball and I didn't even follow him closely, but a tragedy is a tragedy. A loss is a loss. And I know people are nitpicking all over the place about how people address it and where and in what context. And, you know, I don't know, there's never a right way to do this. And I always feel like, I, I just always worry that people are going to be like, worry I'm like, dropping irrelevant thoughts and prayers. But Honestly, this shook me, and honestly, and it has to do with like children, especially. Like, I, I, I can't. It's, it guts you, and like, I don't know. I just think we all worry like about seeming tone deaf or weird, but it's like not about us. And, like, why are we doing that? Like, if you feel something, feel it. If you want to say something, say something. And I just wanted to say, like, I think this is incredibly sad and incredibly tragic, especially involving children, and it just absolutely knocked the wind out of, I think, all of us. And uh, it's like hard for me to even listen to my own episode now that like recording it after this. And I don't know how to do or say anything perfectly, but I just wanted to tell you how I felt. And um, I also think of these episodes as like time capsules. And sometimes they're evergreen, but oftentimes whatever I put in these episodes, when you go back and listen, it it's a it's a it's reviving what we were t- thinking about and caring about at the time that might have been a passing news story. And if any small way, that contributes to legacy. I just want to remind people to remember everybody involved and not just Kobe. And um, that's, it's just, it's just a sobering reminder of how quickly things change truly. And I hope that any way anybody feels like expressing their feelings or thoughts toward it, don't let anybody micromanage how you do things or how you feel. Loss is loss. And while I understand that there are varying degrees of your personal tie to something, I think as long as your well wishes and energy is positive, like, you know, you're allowed to acknowledge it in whatever way you see fit. And I think it's just important to remember that, you know, of all the things to nitpick about in the world, don't let grief be one. And um, I also think that I wanted to say something because over the past couple of days, like popping on TikTok, which is a large part of what I talk about today, it's really showing its age uh, with the content. And what I believe in is the right to express your sadness, condolences, your thoughts and prayers, whether on social media, in person, in your mind, to God, whoever you want. What I don't believe in is the use of like salacious details and information to get clicks, to get more followers, to get attention. I think that's unconscionable. And I feel like a lot of what I'm seeing on TikTok by like really young people who don't get it is like, you know, they're just going into unnecessary like detail. I just, I've not been happy with it. And it's, it's interesting because I've only been on TikTok for two weeks and I've never really seen their response to a tragedy and it's bizarre and I don't love it. And it's kind of like when bad things happen, I stay off Twitter. Like there's certain platforms that don't lend itself to the right type of um, expression, I think. And I just want to acknowledge, like, if you're, you know, still processing, this is a very new story. Maybe don't even dive into TikTok right now. The point of this episode is more so like this isn't going to go anywhere. It's exploding. And I want people like you're going to have to figure out what it is eventually. So let me just like break it down for you now, like we did with Visco Girls. Um, But I also don't want to be like, go on and right now, because I actually don't really think it's great right now. So anyways, this is just poorly timed and I'm perpetually horrified by this the pendulum shift here between levels of importance and topics and 
I don't know. Regardless of not doing it perfectly, I just my job's to talk about what I'm thinking about, and I'm still certainly thinking about this, and I know a lot of you are too. So love you tons, and um, I will catch you on the flip side. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Today, we're actually kind of doing an unforeseen deep dive. I, I, I did not see this one coming, but I, I'm in and frankly, I can't get out. And typically, I, I bring you along once I've emerged, right? I, I've kind of, I, I try to, you know, go do the dirty work myself, go through the trenches myself. And then afterwards, just, you know, tell you the high points, the war stories, if you will. The, the dance war stories is what I mean in this case. And uh and if I were, you know, even two weeks ago, if I were in your position, you're like, oh, you're going to talk about TikTok and the hype house today. Uh, I'm not interested. I, a, I understand. B, I urge you to, to continue forward anyway, because I feel a certain responsibility to, to share with you the things that I actually think have some staying power, that I actually think are unavoidable uh, things happening in pop culture and things that like maybe are kind of hard to understand if you're just like mindlessly scrolling. Like, do you remember Visco Girl Wash Your Face? We we like spent months not caring what Visco Girls were, and then just dove in on one episode. And I feel like it, we 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 ended up figuring out we're all more alike than we thought, and we kind of got on board, or at least could talk about it after that. And I feel like TikToks in in like the hype house and like Charlie D'Amelio, is, these are things like floating around that you're gonna hear. And um, I just you know why not be able to not be fluent in it, but at least engage, especially if you have kids that use TikTok you know, students, honestly, Gen Z, they're not 12 anymore. They're like in the workforce. They're like up to 24 years old and uh, they're like voting. Like we need to engage. We need to not push people away and we need to not be those people that are like, we talked about this in the Facebook group with boomers. It's like, like boomers love to use pop culture uh, aspects of pop culture as almost weapons to signify in conversation their, you know, your youth, their wisdom, to like kind of, you know, minimize your interest to suggest that you don't have enough experience or know anything. And it's like, so it's always so stupid. Like, ugh, yeah, I bet you don't remember the Partridge family. And I'm like, what? Like, yes, I do. Like I had Nick at night. Like, come on, get happy yourself. I know exactly who David Cassidy is because his daughter, Katie Cassidy, was in Monte Carlo with Selena Gomez and Leighton Meester. And speaking of Leighton Meester, she also had a brief stint on Gossip Girl. So suck it. It's just like, I don't need that. Don't get me wrong. You can make fun of the content on TikTok younger people make. I mean, by all means, it's hilarious. It's 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 cringe-tastic. It's almost unbelievable, frankly. It's all the stuff you did your whole life behind closed doors or like on your parents' camcorder and you like pray the VHSs, like all footage is destroyed in like a, a, a small but not overly damaging to the value of their home basement flood. Like the ones like every Mormon mommy bugger seems to have, you know? Like what's with that? Uh, but also... It's kind of funny, too. Like, I grew up in an era where lip syncing, like, you know, Millie Vanilla, you're out. That just made me so hungry for Nilla wafers. Um, <laughs> I haven't even thought of those in a long time. They're like, OK, they're kind of like the trefoil of Nabisco, you know, or is it argue like Nutter Butters or like the Dosey Dough? I think we have different names now. And obviously Samoas were politically incorrect, but damn, those are good. I, you know, I like to bite the sides of the chocolate around a tag along and then dig into the. uh small crater reservoir of, of, of uh, peanut butter. Um, and I love a frozen thin mint, but you know, trefoils are dark. A, sh- a full shortbread order just maybe told us everything about the child's home life that we needed to know, you know? Speaking of children with questionable home lives, back to TikTok. Um, 
Well, what I was saying is like, I think so much of what's on the app is sometimes like lighthearted and joyful. Sometimes it's kind of powerful. Sometimes it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, but overall it's just like, it's fun to lurk on cause it's, it's so different than anything we would ever normally do, especially during that kind of volatile age. And I think that in and of itself is fascinating, but beyond that, I'm not here to like convince you to like be fans of people in the hype house. Cause it's like two, it's I'm not going to go through 19 randos that you've never heard of that were like vine stars. There's like a couple with like, you know, a few with interesting stories and like drama that I'll tell you about. Rather, my my purpose is um, that I don't want to be one of those people. And I don't want you to either that like that just because I don't understand something, I'm invalidating its importance or significance or sustainability going forward. You can think this stuff is weird that they do want it, but it's better. It's important to acknowledge that this is actually blown up. It has unbelievable growth. It's a completely different type of content than Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And that's why I think it's going to stay. And I'll explain that a little bit more. And kind of the background of it's really interesting. And the meteoric rise of the stars on it is truly unprecedented. So if you're a person that kind of wants to be in the know, if you're a marketer, like there's so many reasons it's important to just even have a high level understanding of this. Um, And I think that once I got further into it, I realized it kind of has everything we like in a pop culture topic anyway. The New York Times did a great article on it if you want to read it for some background. And that's where I kind of got interested. It's it, it, when, Once I dug deeper, I was like, oh, my God, this has it all. We've got meteoric rises to fame. We have, we have a limitless reservoir of cringy behavior. We have hyper-specific subculture lingo and inside jokes that take me days to figure out. We have, like, questionable fashion. We have weird manager parents, and I'm like a little concerned about their ability to manage finances. We have teenage dating angst. We have, like, parents that are letting 15-year-olds, like, live in a house, like, with boys. Like, I, 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 I we have a high level of comfort with consistent midriff bearing. Like, wake up, crop top. Eat lunch, crop top. Workout, crop top. Dinner time, crop top. Movie, crop top. Light snack before bed, crop top. Bedtime, crop top. It's just, like, they have crop tops for every single occasion. Crop to you top. It's, like, for the love. Like, I guess I'm... Like, I'm pleasantly surprised at the lack of butterfly belly button piercings. Like, I feel like we were the more offensive generation, perhaps. But I mean, it's just a really it's a the whole app is a who's who of long torsos. I'm incredibly envious of that reminds me of my how I felt during Christina Aguilera's video. Come on over or Kirsten Dunst's long torso and bring it on. There's just a type of torso that lends itself well to film. <laughs> um, you know, there's a, a lot of dance. It's like. if If you like. And like amateur DJ SoundCloud remixes of Shaggy's It Wasn't Me. TikTok is for you. You know, picture this. Two people dancing to a Sierra song four to six times a day with the same choreography. Those two people could be any variety of people. Likely, you know, for example, imagine one's a butt model, not a joke, uh, who can't dance. And one is a 15-year-old who can dance, who is, you know, goes to high school in Connecticut, but whose parents fly her out regularly. Uh, to film videos at the Hype House. And she's also dating the Hype House co-founder who's two years older than her. And said 15-year-old has gotten 21 million followers in about five, six months. Now, you know, even though I'm very proud of my 45,000 I've garnered in the past decade, it's safe to say this um, average 15-year-old whose uh, videos are the best I've heard them call are quote-unquote uninspiring. It's safe to say there's something intriguing about her meteoric rise to fame. So if you want to watch 
that, you know, the, 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 the butt model, <laughs> the 15 year old, not in a weird way, do, do, do a semi cringy, but also complicated and somewhat impressive dance to the Sierra song, which is funny because they weren't born when Sierra's My Goodies came out. And you want to watch them do it in, in a, you know, comically beige McMansion. That's probably actually a real mansion, but you wouldn't know because A, it has no furniture and B, they only leverage two rooms in the house. One is a bathroom that is full wall to wall carpet. And as I'll talk about later, is major, major like padded toilet energy. And, uh, you know, all the while, these people are so famous. And just because they're not famous within your age group doesn't mean they're not famous. Over 60% of TikTok is people 16 to 24, I think. And these are these are the people like they're taking over. And I just think it's worth having an awareness of who they are um, and what makes a person famous in Gen Z's eyes. I think it's a helpful thing to understand, because as I'll explain, like we don't know anything about them because TikTok's not about talking. You're freaking lip syncing like Ashley Simpson would have crushed in this era. She was ridiculed off the stage and had to do that weird like hoedown dance when she was caught lip syncing on SNL. But now she'd be like a regular billionaire with a cover girl deal. And TikTok's kind of hallmark is that, you know, a lot of in, a lot of social media stardom influencership, if you will, the ones that get the brand partnerships and, and gain the wealth. It has a lot to do with clout and clout has to be gained through a level of hype. But hype can be fleeting and hype can go away. And uh, it kind of just suggests you're viral. It doesn't suggest your persona is sustainable in a way that will make you able to move the needle. And it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if this is just hype because like I'm obsessed with it right now. But will I stop? Do people care? How many videos can I watch of people dancing to Camilla Cabello's My Oh My? Um, the, the nature of the dances at times is like very much kind of the thirst trap culture vibe of like, is it even legal for me to be scrolling through this? It's it just it's weird. Uh, but anyway, the I think if you download tiktok go through the homepage. it's called the for you page it's basically the instagram explore page though i'd argue their algorithms better um and just do 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 a solid scroll give me a solid 10 15 you'll be delighted and afraid and unable to stop it's very bingeable content because it is short form and you'll be flooded with the probably the same questions i had which i'm looking to answer on this like who are these people? Why are they comfortable doing this? Are they all dancers or did they all become dancers? Who originates the choreography? Are they aware they're doing the same dances four to six times a day for then weeks, if not months at a time? Are Who is making these like amateur clips of songs that are really specific parts of songs that get popular? For example, why are you, a, a parent in your 40s, dancing with your 15-year-old daughter in a crop top to songs like this. Because remember, they're lip syncing. <laughs> and like, ugh, I don't know. It, it's, there's, I, I think you'll find you have similar questions too. I, it's like, I don't want to be Pollyanna over here, but I also, I just like, I so would never be allowed to do this if I was the age of some of these people. A lot of them are over 18. Um, but the the famous one, Charlie, I'm just like, what? But I think the perpetual dilemma I have here is that the stuff I find that's craziest and the cringiest, I also can't stop watching. So how can I really insult it? And maybe the weirdness isn't an insult at all. And that's what makes it so addictive. But anyway, let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Does anyone ever like I can't not sing I'll make a man out of you when I say that. Also, it, do people to like combat MLM? Do you know how they call everyone Hun? Is that a meme? 
let's get down to business to defeat the Huns and like make them stop sending us so many DMs and Facebook messages with emojis that are like, hey, girl, want to get back in shape? And I'm like, back in shape? What are you talking about? I got that recently. I was like, what do you mean? Since you saw me in seventh grade? Jeez. I was eating square pizza back then. Like I, I didn't have a lot going on. Anyways, let's get to talking. So let's give him something to talk about. I'm, I'm shocked more people aren't using this pun. Anyways, for some background. Okay, people call TikTok social media. I call it social entertainment. Um, that is kind of the second coming of an app called Musical.ly that was acquired by a Chinese company called ByteDance. In uh, 2018, they officially merged and rebranded Musical.ly to TikTok. TikTok already existed in China. It has a different name. So this Chinese parent company bought Musical.ly, kind of grouped it in with the existing version of TikTok they had, rebranded it to TikTok and launched in the U.S. And to give you an idea, or launched globally rather, but it wasn't in the U.S. before that, the only way you would have kind of done something similar is if you were on the app Musical.ly. Um, that definitely had a younger skewing demo. Musical.ly had about 60 million monthly active users. To give you context about how fast TikTok has grown, they just surpassed 700 million monthly active users. So while that's smaller than Instagram and Facebook, the rate of growth is what's worth paying attention to because like Instagram was around 50 million monthly active users in like 2012. Assuming it's with it kind of in that 50 million to 100 million range, and that's a starting point. That's where Instagram was in terms of monthly active users, like between 2012 and 2013. Um, Instagram did not hit 700 million monthly active users until 2017. So what took TikTok a year and a half took Instagram five years. And I think TikTok's interesting and kind of like under the radar at times uh, because it grew so much faster and it has the potential to be so much bigger than the social media platforms where we, you know, spend most of our time. But it's because it's a very it has a high saturation among a very specific demographic that if you're not in, you might write off its popularity. But I think over 60 percent of TikTok users, at least in the U.S., are 18 to 24. And, and like globally, it has like 1.5 billion users. I, the stats are kind of interesting. Like men are more likely to use it than women, which I find shocking. There's a lot of interesting stats to it. And you're probably thinking, well, isn't it kind of just like a reincarnation of Vine, which died in what was that 2017? Vine was like another example of a subculture that I kind of that kind of went unnoticed in my world. But it had its own lingo and inside jokes and stars. And like it was a force at the time. And I'd argue its decline was more so driven it was owned by Twitter at the time and the, it was, it was mismanaged. It wasn't properly monetized. And I think what's so interesting about Vine that I think TikTok is aware of at the onset that Vine not might not have been aware of at the onset. I think Vine went into it thinking this is going to be a place where people share fun videos of friends and family, but the spin is six seconds. What happened is that it became a social entertainment app where people weren't making content about themselves to share about their lives. They were making content to entertain other people. And it wasn't really about them. They got famous because of it, but it was a different type of sharing. But it's a type of sharing that, if not watched carefully, creates an incredible imbalance uh, in terms of who's on there to create content versus who's on there just to lurk. And when the entertainment factor and the production quality and these stars are making these six-second videos that are very inaccessible to your average person... It therefore discourages content creation and it just kind of becomes an app where you are a viewer and that is not a social networking app. Yeah, we lurk, but like 
for by and large, the entire point is the exchange, both the creation and consumption of content. But Vine got to a place where it was just kind of about these stars and it wasn't about your average person trying to make these videos because I, I didn't get into Vine because I thought six seconds was way too hard. It's a it's a it's a level of like punch that almost is so simple. It really requires a lot of effort. So what I find interesting about these apps that I've never really been on before is that you really know nothing about the people that are famous on them. And the videos are so short and they're always like lip syncing and, and they're not talking to me about them. Like. So I don't know them at all yet. I want to know everything. It's an app where people are getting the most famous in the least amount of time and are soliciting the most intrigue from people because the app is inherently about entertainment. So you're getting famous not because of like who you are, but because of what you create. And when I say create, that's not to be mistaken with originality, which is what a lot of other social media really thrives on is like, what is uniquely me and how do I get people to follow me because I'm doing something so different? TikTok is more along the lines of meme culture where the nucleus is actually repetition. But why it's different is because it's not reposting and not even necessarily repurposing, but rather seeing everything as an opportunity to remix and the remixing of what's already known to be popular. I think what it is, is it's this opportunity for a smidge of personal creativity with the safety of already having something pre-approved by the masses. So you're not creating something from scratch that you have no idea how it will land. You can find through hashtags for through the For You, the main feed page. People do these dance challenges or do these certain sound bites or remix something that already exists that you're familiar with in a funny way. And then millions and millions of people do it, too, because you can duet with them and you can make your own videos. And when you hashtag the popular thing, it's more likely that you'll get found and then you can kind of grow from there. So there's these very specific dances that in a given like month, everyone is doing the exact same like five to ten dances. At worst, your content won't be humiliating. It'll be status quo because everybody else has already done it. At best, you'll achieve some sort of virality because your personal spin is something different, adding value, something people really like. So it's almost this funny thing where on the outside, it looks incredibly humiliating, but on the inside, it's normal. Once you've done several scrolls through TikTok, you start seeing the same stuff over and over that it's no longer weird. It, I guess the comparison to meme culture may, maybe makes the best sense. It's like a meme is to like a stock photo as TikTok is to a soundbite of some kind, but it's not executed in the form of like an image it's executed in a short form video so it's a person's commentary on something that exists in some way and gets shared and passed along and modified over time uh that is represented by like a particular theme the key thing here is you know the spreadability of it it all centering on one theme or a particular set of actions or a particular style of joke but modified um, to the individual. It's kind of like the first time you saw somebody like put words above Baby Yoda earlier this year, you were kind of like, what? what weird, weird joke, brah. But then all of a sudden it becomes so popular and you're almost told it's funny. And it, there's this ubiquitous presence of it that like you start to think it's funny, even though you maybe didn't like originally think it's funny. A lot of meme culture is kind of the uh, this quirky Internet humor that sometimes is insular to a particular medium like TikTok has its own inside jokes. I think non TikTokers wouldn't understand, 
but also it's responsible for, I'd say, a lot of the memes that gain popularity on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and people just don't even realize that they originated from there. Again, Old Town Road, Yeehaw Challenge. That's where we got that song from. The Yeehaw Challenge was people like, it was edited video where people would kind of like snap change into cowboys or cowgirls when they heard horses in the back um, because it's what, it was a song that kind of blended country and hip hop. And, uh, you know, what's another example of content? It's kind of hard to verbally explain the stuff people do on there. Um, but like, you know, they'll be film a video of themselves. Lizzo's Truth Hurts will be in the background. It'll be this snippet that says, I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100 percent. And then the music cuts out and then the person says what they are. And whether it's like uh, single or celebrating their ethnic background or, you know, it's, it's some self-deprecating thing about how they, like, they waste their time. I don't know. But even at the, a simple level, like there's this thing people do. So, so the in the background, the sound is the bippity boppity boo from Cinderella. And after you wave your wand and bippity boppity boo like the fairy godmother, the video switches from you like in a towel, not ready to you, like looking glam as hell. And it's just like fun stuff like that, that the uh, the ability of to have like the different soundtracks paired with the video editing capabilities of the app itself. Um, you know, you can do multiple clips, you can add special effects. So not only is it the platform for consumption, it actually is a decent app for creating quality, like edited video content that lends itself well to a short format of 15 to 60 seconds. I encourage anybody to just like go on and scroll through and give it a chance. What I did, a la Meghan Markle, if you go to my TikTok, this is not a play for followers. I don't really plan on using it very much, but like I don't want to be left out and I'm just here to lurk. So it's at be there in five like Meghan Marco follows her charities every month. So you can follow who she follows. Follow If you follow who I follow, I mean, I have like I follow like some friends and stuff, but also so maybe like, you know, whatever. Go through who I follow and who has a blue check mark and follow them because I deliberately followed every single person in the hype house that I think are like running the show right now or kind of the thing I'm the most interested in. Um, and you can kind of follow them, too, and prepare to be very uh, confused, shocked, surprised and start Googling a lot of different things about, like, why do they keep doing this like thing with their elbows? It's like actually called the woe. Why do they like clap in front of their face so much and like stick their tongue out? They're doing a lot of dance faces. Why are some people like really bad dancers, but are super popular? And why are some people that are like average dancers, like stupid popular, like confusingly popular? Why are, you know, who's dating who? Like it, it gets you'll you'll really, you know, be overcome by that rabbit holy spirit, I assure you. Um, but as I said, I just yeah, I think the heart and soul of it is really like in um the the remixing of uh content. And, you know, you think about it in music, it's like it the the repetition thing, that fact that every everyone's doing the same stuff over and over, you can see it as like redundant, or you can see it as like think of like Sam Smith's latch. Um, it's a beautiful acoustic song. It's from it's is it from his first album, Nirvana. Um, it's a kind of a sad, slow song. It got remixed by I forget who. It's like tops the charts and charts and like plays in nightclubs, but it's like actually a very sad, slow song. Think of Coldplay's The Scientist, like playing at One Oak. It, you just don't. It, but somehow it works because they put their own spin on it. I mean, they think of I'm Real with if it was just JLo without Ja Rule. Think of, you know, there's a there's a disgraceful man that has a very catchy song about starting a car that I regret is so good because I won't support him anymore. But like the remix of that song was outstanding. I would I would I would I would dare listen to Buttons if Snoop Dogg didn't give me the warm welcome of what it do, baby boo. He made it better. And a lot of women make songs better, too. I feel like those are only male collaborators. You know, what would Timber be without Kesha? What would Closer be without Halsey? What would the early 2000s period be without Ashanti? It was literally featured in every single song. Um 
you know, I, I think that there is a case for originality. And a lot of people argue that TikTok is where creativity goes to die. I would argue there's also a space for reimagination. And sometimes that is equally as hard. And to kind of pivot into the hype house. So the other interesting piece, like I, the way I kind of see TikTok is like an opportunity to cover something, remix it or modify it or collab with somebody by duetting with them or doing actual videos with them to make it different. And the collab piece is where the hype house comes in because it's a collective of influencers, 19 of them, only four live there full time that live in this mansion with no furniture. Um, and the idea is that so they have a hub and a place to like make content, be creative, collab with each other, leverage each other's audiences in terms of, you know, satisfy their overlap while also gaining the incremental reach of people's you know, audience that they haven't captured yet and to kind of just make it even bigger than what it already is, if that's even possible. And so these youngsters, the oldest person that lives there is 21. The youngest member of the Hype House is 15. Yikes, she lives in Connecticut. Her parents fly her out all the time. We'll get to that. They are constantly like collabing and doing these like they're starting some dance trends and like viral trends on TikTok, but they're also just doing the same ones over and over and over with different people in different clothes with different styles. And like, yeah, it gets a little old, but like it also does not get as old as you think. And it's kind of fascinating. And, you know, just like any collab that it, it, the other piece, too, is like you, it's so unpredictable what is going to work. I, I could talk about this forever. There's a funny phenomenon, period, of collaborating and like how two people can be as equally as well loved as the other. Yet and you think coming together, they it would be a powerhouse, but it falls flat. Think of, you know. Shakira and Beyonce. I I want to remember to forget the song Remember to Forget You. Uh whereas I'd say I'm a bigger Beyonce fan than Wyclef, but Wyclef did a better, you know, Hips Don't Lie. It was obviously the bigger song. I can't lie either. That song's catchy as hell, but it's the only that and whenever wherever really as far as I go with Shakira, as you know, I do think She Wolf is the is the worst thing that ever happened to music. I want to do like an episode about collabs. <laughs> Because my favorites are the ones that everyone forgot about that just did not do what they wanted them to do. Like Christine Aguilera and Ricky Martin's Nobody Wants to Be Lonely. Nobody also wanted to hear that song or needed it. And uh, I just like I, I could go in forever. But similarly, it's like, OK, collabs don't always land. Remixes don't always land and covers don't always land. And like the best example of this, I was trying to think of like, what's a cover that just like should have never happened by a very popular artist? And I've probably talked about this before, but I think the best, the, the funniest example of people sitting in a boardroom being like, yeah, this is a good idea. This this has synergy um, is, you know, Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. Album. She decides to cover the Rolling Stones and just like the third track or something. It drops. I can't get no satisfaction. It, <laughs> who agreed to that? And also like, why? 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 She, the, very different artists covering like a legendary artist no less and putting it on an album that also contained a song called dear diary whose lyrics were dear diary today saw a boy and i wonder if he noticed me to be fair they're you know stones and britney legends in their own right and also to be fair perhaps she was foreshadowing her stint in crossroads because by covering this song she was indeed affirming that she loves rock and roll but weird choice nobody really cared about that cover but she covers bobby brown's my prerogative smash it she had every re right and reason to cover that because it was good i just think it's imitation in any form is a fascinating uh unpredictable thing where it can really work or it can really not and you hope 
it seems lower risk that it will work because you're already doing something popular, but it just doesn't guarantee anything. And that's why TikTok is kind of crazy because you'll go through somebody's feed and see what's popular. And it's just like kind of shocking what works and what doesn't. I just went and got coffee, took a break, and I became self-conscious that I did a bad job explaining that. And I would just want to read a reputable source's definition of it. Uh you know, I, I, I'm i not a journalist, so I'm not always great at simply explaining things and synthesizing them well. I'm just kind of giving you my opinion about it and my like primary research, but it probably would be helpful to like calibrate it with some actual research. Um, the way Vox explained it, for example, TikTok is one of the most popular, most interesting social media apps on the planet, but it has yet to enter the lexicon of most average Americans. The gist is this. Users film videos of themselves lip syncing or acting out comedy sketches up to 15 seconds long. It's now 60. This article's dated. From a database of songs, effects, or sound bites, collaboration is a major incentive. You can duet with somebody by replying to their video and it creates a split screen, thus feeding into an endless chain of reactions. Users can also upload their own sound, so it's possible to lip sync to someone else's original video. So for example, my first TikTok, I did a Taylor Swift riff off where I tried to match a singular word and did 60 seconds of songs. I think I maybe included like 15 of her songs or I tried to. Um, I had to upload that myself because it didn't exist in TikTok. But what you could do uh, is, you know, if I wanted to like sing lip sync to you blank space for some reason, maybe I had a knife I wanted to stab into a bloody cake. That's a surprise for a gender reveal. Was that the worst idea? That was one of Taylor Swift's cutest outfits in the blank space video with the little eye mask and like like black nightgown. I'll just get that cake and stab it and like red blood comes out of it. And I'll just be like primary colors, bitch, child pick its own gender. Maybe that will, you know, end gender reveals once and for all. I'm just kidding. I don't hate them. I just think it's like, it's just funny. Like, it's just, it's a funny concept. It's a very 2010s concept that uh, we just really, really want people to throw us parties. And I believe in the celebration of milestones and the injecting of joy into your life in whatever way you can, gathering with loved ones. Um, but I do, I do think it's like, the most one of the more publicized things people do and you just wonder you're like is this for you or is this for the internet <laughs> and uh that's the existential question that we're we're talking about here today too of, with everything but yeah what was i talking about oh my taylor swift video yeah the thing i didn't mention earlier is like you can upload your own sound the, the common thread is like they're all based on some sort of you know backing vocal music whatever thing that a person can upload themselves and then it become it's stored in TikTok. So now theoretically anybody could lip sync to the Taylor Swift mashup that I made on my own garage band, you know? Uh, so it, it's, that's why it's so, just as important for people to continue creating content as it is to consume it. So there's like kind of this, this churn of uh, trendy things that makes it all like continue to be interesting. And when something's done, it's done, but the next big things are already coming. So you know, you might chronicle your life on like other platforms, but TikTok's just it's largely a performance and uh, figuring out what people are doing and what's popular and performing it. And literally, like I said earlier, doing all the stuff you did behind closed doors or with your hairbrush that would never see the light of day that your peers would like torture you for. You're now doing for in hopes of millions of people seeing it like underage. I feel like the nature of going viral is that it's so random and rarely related to like what the person like actually does. Look at me in doormats. Look at, you know, one of the high passers. It's like, you know, when you were a little girl, did you assume your fate would lie in the hands of you doing complicated footwork to a country line dance remix of Vance Joy's Riptide? Like probably not. It's just sometimes you do something random that sticks and then it becomes your thing. And that's 
you know, a very like new dream to the world in the last 10 years that is an element of success that doesn't require money, connections, anything other than your own creativity, your vulnerability of putting yourself out there, the creation of something and doing it alone from your bedroom on your phone to a community of people you might never see. Um, it's it's a wild world, really. And kind of what I was talking about earlier with Vine and the risk when um, the creativity and quality of the content is almost so high, it's too intimidating for people to be creators and they just are lurkers. This is this is high effort social media like this. It's so much easier to chronicle your life than to like have to creatively like do this video snippet and to reimagine something like it took me probably like 90 minutes to put that Taylor Swift thing together. I'm like, why did I do this? I like wanted to try it for my own field research. But also I'm like, damn, the people that do this all the time, I can't imagine how many takes these dances take or lip syncing or whatever. So that's a little concerning to me. Like I just see, you know, young people at sleepovers like doing choreographed dances, doing so many takes, yelling at a person who like isn't in proper formation. And, you know, it ends up eating up six hours of your day. And then when it doesn't do well, it's like a whole host of self-esteem issues. And, you know, that I also hate. But like, that's a funny slash embarrassing thing I think people do on TikTok. That's weird that I don't see on Instagram um, is they'll like say in the caption, you know, neglected studying for finals to make this. Please don't let this flop. Or like I my sister took off work to help me film this. Please don't let this flop. And it's like, that's like embarrassing. No, I mean, people say it in other ways, like by complaining about the algorithm. Um, but it, who wants an obligatory like or comment? Well, I guess I do. It kind of reminds me of like when brides like are mad at people that can't come to their wedding. And I'm like, what outcome do you want from being mad? Do you want people to show up to your joyful day against their will, seething in resentment the entire time? But somehow you're just self-satisfied because they physically showed up, even though their intentions are poor. I, I don't want anybody around me who doesn't want to be there. I don't necessarily want people feeling forced to like or comment on my junk because I'm insecure about the public feedback it's going to get. Like, yeah, you want that. But asking for it. Well, I guess now I guess by posting my static posts on my story, I'm essentially asking for it. Honestly, don't listen to me. I'm a hypocritical. It's. <laughs> I just think I've never seen it phrased like that, perhaps. And it, it's just a funny element of TikTok culture that makes me laugh. Perhaps the subtitle of this episode will be Please Don't Let This Flop. And I'll see if anybody will listen out of uh, pity, which, you know, honestly, I don't hate that. I just think there's l little nuances like that are funny. But anyway, when given the opportunity to do so much advanced editing, like I kind of think it's funny that Instagram hasn't really kind of put more R&D, if you will, into making the app the place where you can edit your content well and upload it. I guess it kind of makes sense that you pick one or the other, but um, I just think your, you know, dependence on it would be higher if you were solely reliant on the editing tools. Um, and perhaps there's more like, you know, ad revenue there for them, not that they need it. But with TikTok, you can do so much editing on the app. I also think that's a piece of like, why it takes so damn long is because if you want if you want to be extra you can be extra and the videos that almost just like do the bare minimum are kind of sad as it's like seeing somebody just like with reckless abandon use like a like a hudson a clarendon a ludwig filter on instagram and like use a vignette and perhaps like a tilt shift and we're just not doing that anymore and uh you know you th that's like where the, the pity like maybe comes in to be honest it's it's like, you know, any any time people are using the most default thing available and not just trying a smidge harder to see if they can do anything a little bit more exciting. It, it kind of bums me out. It's 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 like, you know, 
you're, you have a bridal shower. You're designing the invitation. Maybe inexplicably on Microsoft Word. There's great templates online for these things. You decide you want something whimsy and handwritten. You go with Lucy to handwriting. It, it's not my fault that it flopped. Because if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, weird. How did this, you know, flyer for an elementary school bake sale from 1998, you know, get in my mailbox? It, it, it's like you really just I think there's a balance between like too much effort and like going easy on ourselves and like doing the bare, bare minimum. And, you know, that's kind of why I want to talk about TikTok. It's like, let's just be well versed in stuff. Let's just like know what's out there and not feel like we're the person that's like so behind. And I just feel like, you know, to me, fonts are such an indicator of how behind you are digitally, rather. These are trivial things. But, you know, downloading free fonts is something hugely underleveraged in the uh, world of design and PowerPoints in anything, really. But uh, similarly, my point of comparison was, uh, why are you using Instagram to edit when there's like a color story or like I love in light? I love PixArt. Um, I really just want the best for people and um, their digital output. But anyway, why was I saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. The editing capabilities. OK, so that's the thing. I don't have any intentions to be a TikTok content creator. I might dabble on a day when I feel like doing a jig of some kind, but I I just like lurking and I, I, I would see that being its big problem is that pe- if when people that become popular and influence the platform hugely are career TikTokers and therefore can spend their full time energy making this type of content that regular people try to make and doesn't land and never go viral and they get discouraged. And the people that are doing this really complicated choreography make me worry for that. But then there's also serious TikToks that are kind of heartwarming and interesting. Like, for example, there's this TikTok series where like a lot of young women, they'll like dance to their ex's voicemails. And at first I was like cringing, clawing out my eyes. But then I saw a few that were really powerful that were kind of um, hard to listen to. And they were very verbally abusive, horrible voicemails. And watching these women like dance and smile and be okay was kind of this powerful thing of like, this doesn't affect me. You don't matter to me anymore. Like, I am free. Thank God I'm not being spoken to like this anymore. And the comments are so supportive and they're like, oh my God, I need to get myself out of a situation. It's so helpful to see that you were able to. And like, on the one hand, like my instinct was like, this is so weird and thirsty. Like you want your ex to see this, but it actually wasn't. In my day, social media was all about following a breakup. Like, look how hot I am. Look how much fun I'm having. Look who I'm having fun with that you should be jealous of. And look how little I'm thinking about you. But this was different. This was like, I want to empower women by exposing a situation that I was in so deep that it would have helped me if I heard somebody else acknowledge that this was wrong and I could see that they got themselves out of it. And uh, it was like very interesting. Um, There's a category of people making TikToks at like their spouse will file for divorce. Like in this, I think is weird. They will throw their ring and then like use like the slow-mo effect as you watch it like drop into the trash can. And it's to like a really like a sad song, I don't know, like whiskey lullaby. And you're like, you okay, bro. And that's like, that's the type of content where I'm like, if there's a message, I'm cool. If you're making a TikTok video about a serious or hard or sad situation, the unspoken thing there is, you know, it took several takes, which inevitably makes you question humanity. Um, But I do think there's some really powerful uh, content I've seen on there and also some really talented people on there. It, it's it's whiplash between like, you know, watching Charlie D'Amelio 
like a half dance to, you know, a dance she could do full out, but instead she's doing it again halfway in like a footlocker or something. Apparently it's her dad's showroom, but it looks like she's constantly in a footlocker. Has anybody noticed that? Um, and I'm like, oh God. And then I scroll down and like somebody is, you know, taking back the narrative and writing all the things bullies have said about them to the tune of Andre Day's Rise Up. And it, it, like, I'm just like, oh, my, and I'm like crying. It's so, it's so, it's so weird. It's a weird place where the product feels so pure, yet you know the process was so much more involved than all the stuff that we think is so manufactured about other platforms. This is 100% manufactured, but it just comes from a place of like performative joy that feels a little bit different and lighter than other places. However, don't get it twisted. This platform is met with all the problems of other social networks and then some. Uh, obviously, there's always the risk of, you know, predators, old men duetting with young women of, um, you know, there it's truly disturbing how many obviously young women show up on my for you page, like lip syncing hyper suggestive hip hop lyrics with like their finger in their mouth. And I'm like, I, am I committing a crime scrolling through TikTok? Like it, it, it's kind of like a weird thing of and yeah, I mean, I, I could go on tangent after tangent. I could. If I wanted to go on a tangent now about how confused I am about wanting to empower women and embrace their bodies and not have to dress for how people respond to them versus how I feel as like a protective person that doesn't want women too young that don't understand what people on the receiving end are doing with that. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, I don't want people to like button up just like because they need to control how other men think about them. But I don't love the idea of other like old men creeping on this platform in the, the the volume of minors on there you know what i mean even though that's it's not sexual in nature um i don't think they've realized that it can be perceived that way it's very it's confusing um so that can be an issue there's been i don't know the the data privacy thing i find interesting i'm going to talk about that a little bit more toward the end uh because there's been a couple things that have come up there and i'll get a, not excited if i talk about data but <laughs> i'm worried i'll go too far in without ever getting to the hype house but first, I wanted to talk about our sponsor this week. It is clear. The thing I was not feeling about TikTok previously that I hope you are now, too. Um, clearly, I'm great at segues. Um, but no, I've, I mean, like I say, I've mentioned it before. Like I will be there in five here. I, we're, let's face it. We're not getting to the airport early. We are full on McAllister family sprinting through O'Hare at all times. And uh, especially when I'm traveling, getting to the airport early enough to avoid like the I might miss my flight anxiety. And that's why I thought, you know, I'm very excited. I thought Clear was very appropriate for we, the people who uh, tend to run a little bit behind, but have the best of intentions. But with Clear, I'm hoping, even though I do get in a lot of my cardio at the airport, I'm hoping to not run to the gate again. <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing. Uh, people said they've seen me at an Auntie Anne's. I'm like, was I winded? It's 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 a little bit unnerving. Uh, but Clear helps you get through security with the tap of a finger so you can get to your gate faster and reduce pre-flight stress. Uh, please, there's no, that, that is one of the worst types of stress. And that's like hard to shake when you think you're about to miss your flight. And I love that this is like just streamlining the process that kind of is a bit of an unknown at times in terms of, um, going through security. And what's so great is that you are your ID. It's pretty cool. They replaced the need for a physical ID using your eyes and your fingertips to get you through security because like you're the best ID for yourself, obviously. And yeah, I don't know. It's an easy sign up. You don't need an appointment at the airport. You start getting um, you can create your account online before getting to the airport. And once you get there, a clear ambassador can help you finish the process. It only takes like five minutes. And from there, you can immediately use clear. 
It'll help you get through security faster in 65 plus airports and stadiums across the country and more being added every day. And what's great is that if you travel with your family, especially with kids, which I know can also be a factor in timeliness through security, um, up to three family members can be added at a discounted rate. And uh, kids under 18 are free when traveling with a Clear member, which is awesome. So Clear is the absolute best way to get through airport security. It works great with PreCheck, too. And right now, listeners of Be There in 5 can get their first two months of Clear for free. Go to clearme.com slash be there in 5 and use code be there in 5, just how the show is spelled. That is C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash be there in 5, code be there in 5 for your free two months of Clear, clearme.com. So thanks to Claire for sponsoring that episode. And think of me when you're kicking back, having enough time to eat your Auntie Anne's pretzel. <laughs> I wanted to spend part of the time on like what it is, why I think it matters, why I think it's different than other platforms, some of the issues surrounding it. Um, but now I want to go into, you know, our, our modern Mickey Mouse Club, as I've heard it called. Uh, a, a Mickey Mouse Club meets the real world if everyone was like age 15 to 21. So the Hype House is a uh, is a content house, a collab house, which has been done before for um, like Vine and uh, YouTube. It's kind of like I don't want to call it an incubator, but I guess it kind of is one like Jake Paul is he started one. It was a shared house called Team 10. That That is a lot of controversy just in terms of like it ruining the neighborhood because of like. You, like the type of YouTube content like is a little bit different. Like they were like setting furniture on fire. You know, it, it's the the point is to like, for lack of a better term, nourish young influencer talent in a place where you'll be inspired by and can collaborate with other successful people on the medium where your content primarily lies. Um, these people are popular across all of them, but most of the time a social media star has like their main property. And in the Hype House, it's TikTok. And Team 10, it's YouTube. Team 10's Collab House, I mean, I'm not into the Paul Brothers. I'm not into, like, literally so many things they've done, obviously. And they take a cut of the influencers who live there, which is kind of, like, strange. I, that's, like, more of, like, a manager-agent thing. It, that's not, like, an actual pure attempt at, you know, fostering talent. Um, the Hype House does not take a cut of their participants, uh, revenue, but also YouTube has a pretty direct revenue model with um, like YouTube is part like takes a cut of it as part of it. You opt in to have your have ads served on your channels and you're paid based on a certain number of views or whatever to oversimplify it. TikTok doesn't have a way internally in the app that uh, individuals, creators align with brands. It's what they do on their own on the side, which I think is a whole other interesting case for like management and um, maximization of their popularity. Right. But I, the, I mean, the hype house, uh, Taylor Lawrence wrote a really good article. The only article really, but that kind of brought to light this whole thing for the New York times. And basically it's the, uh, it's the brainchild of somebody called Lil Huddy. Like you just have to love this. His name's Chase Hudson. He goes by Lil Huddy, obviously like who would go by their name. Um, and Thomas, somebody that I'm forgetting his last name, but he used to be on team 10 and Jake Paul's collab house. He kind of broke off and wanted to start his own TikTok specific uh, think tank of sorts. And he started it with a 17 year old. So a 17 year old and a 21 year old start this thing, call it the hype house. Lil Huddy wanted it to be called like Olympus something where like would not have worked. It would have sounded like a consulting firm. Hype house 
is so perfect because I don't even know if they ironically like I just feel like the word hype is inherently temporary and like almost hollow. So it's it's like a clever name, but whatever. Um, yeah. So the hype house is a place designed to create content or a collab house, not unlike a lot of YouTube places. There's like a, the cloud house, team 10, whatever. I mean, the first thing I'll say, there's a glaring lack of diversity. They picked 19 people. There's not a single person of color. Uh, I don't know what, if they've ever like spoken about it or why or what the deal is, but there just should be more representation of people and sizes. And it, like, I just don't even know what they're thinking, especially I feel like Gen Z is great about being accepting. At least they appear that way. And for there not to be more representation across a lot of different groups is kind of shocking. It seems like a great opportunity. You have a platform like this is why we need like representation and inclusion. And so people see people that look like them and are like them and have similar values and, you know, preferences as they do. And especially if they're not in their own environment. So like, come on, guys, hype up things that may, may make people feel ostracized in their small communities but from their phones and looking at you guys who they look up to, they'll have hope. Like, let's like get with the let's get with the times. It just is a little bit frustrating. Um, and also I the other frustrating thing, I feel like there's a deal like an element of appropriation sometimes with like the young, thin white women like rapping. And it's like the way they're rapping about this person's lyrics is like kind of making like a mockery or appropriating the lyrics. And it, like it's still somebody's art. It's not about their life. And it just like seems a little bit off sometimes, but it's like not it's like actually not a party house. The New York Times, again, did a good job explaining it. And the whole point is the guy spun off from Team 10 in designed this house for TikTokers like for productivity. And he said, if you want to party, there's hundreds of houses that throw parties in L.A. We don't want to be that. It's not in line with anyone in this house's brand. This house is about creating something big. And you can't do that if you're going out on the weekends. Oh, well, I mean, I guess he could go out. But also these people are mostly not 21. Uh, but they have like some strict rules like they, uh, you know, you can't party. You can't have friends over. You have to like 14 days to replace broken items. You have to produce content daily. Like it actually is like kind of an artist collaborative, but thinking having to kind of rethink art in a different format in this sense, which is probably hard for people to understand that it's like a serious place where they um, create content. But above that, like I was saying earlier, it's like I get how not only are you more creatively inspired when you're around people doing the thing you're doing? You also can get more recognition from leveraging the audiences of other people and creating content with them. But also a lot of TikToks to make your, to make TikTok content is like very embarrassing. And I see a lot of people in like desolate parts of airports, you know, where there's no outlets, like a lot of people on TikTok seem to be doing dances there, um, you know, to dance and like lip sync and stuff. Like I can't even take a selfie in public. I'm so embarrassed. I, to, I like will actively pretend I'm FaceTiming, but I'm talking to myself. Um, I think that it's a place where you're not embarrassed to be like doing like a, a crazy dance. that's kind of complicated and having to do 16 takes um, like people just get it. And like I can't even record myself talking in front of my husband. Like content creation is a little bit embarrassing. And I do totally understand the value of having not only the community, but the space and privacy to be able to do this kind of content to like maximize people's potential. Um, it's different, that's for sure. But it's not a bad idea if this is such a strong, you know, if, if this has the potential to make you really big and to generate a ton of revenue, like why the hell not go for it? You know, it, it's it, it, I completely get what they're trying to do. Um, so like I said earlier, there's 19 people that live there for full time. There's a glaring lack of diversity, which is a problem, but as a result has 
spun off other types of houses. Like um, there's one called the Melanin Mansion, a house for black creators. Um, Cabin six is for LGBTQ plus creators and diversity university is apparently in the works. So the four people that live there full time, their names are Daisy, Alex, Cover, and Thomas. Thomas is the one that split off from and he co co leased this house, if you will, co-founded it. Um, he's the one that broke off from Jake Paul's team 10. Uh, and he and Chase Hudson, little Huddy started it. Chase comes for stints at a time, but they, he doesn't actually live there full time. Um, Daisy is an Instagram butt model. She's very, very beautiful. She's one of the first people I saw on TikTok that was doing kind of thirst trappy things that bothered me. But then when I deep dove into her profile, she does goofy things too. And she's, I don't know, it's, 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 she's cannot dance. I thought this was a house of dancers, but she is a person that cannot dance and doesn't really do the dance stuff. She will try and it's funny and it's out of context. You'll see her try to dance. You'll be like, oh my God, that girl can't dance. But like, then once you get to know her, you realize that's part of like the shtick is her and a person named Dixie, who's the most popular girl, Charlie's sister, can't dance either. We'll get into it. Okay, sorry. Uh, I don't really follow the guys that much. I follow Daisy. Cover is also a YouTube star. She's dating Alex Warren, who also lives in the house. I'll, I should make an infographic. You can read about this so many places. And they live there. Um, but by by and large, the most interesting part of the hype house, well, a lot of things. I don't know if it like, walking through the members it might be more confusing so i'm just going to stick to like the more obvious core stories and drama and people i've been following there's a lot of guys in the hype house and a lot of them don't even seem to really have much of a presence yet like there's this guy named like paper he has like eleven thousand followers and i was like well, like is he like somebody's friend or does he have huge potential i'm all for both of those scenarios but it's just i thought it was maybe like they picked you because you were already huge but i think they pick a combination of people that they're probably friends with some that have potential, some dance, some don't. Um, some are, bi are big on YouTube. Some are just on TikTok. Like, it's kind of all over the place. Um, but people are always in and out of this house creating videos. Um, and they're obviously using this space for content and pr primarily dancing, honestly. But the uh, what's so funny to me about the Hype House and what like kind of like drew me in, it, I, I've been on a real journey with the house itself because they only film it seems like, like they only film in the foyer um, in this specific spot, like under a chandelier. And you can see the staircase in the back. And almost the funny part is there's always people walking up and down the staircases and not even flinching at a person full on twerking at 730 a.m. in front of their phone. It's kind of like the perfect representation of why this house needs to exist in the first place. Anywhere else you'd be ridiculed for doing that. Um, or they film in this like super 90s bathroom. That is like green tile with brass accents. That is just like there might be like wall to wall carpet. I'm not sure. It 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 has very um colored toilet energy. You know what I mean? Like in the 90s, there there were some trends as it relates to bathroom decor that just did not stand the test of time. And a colored toilet is so representative to me of a of a interior design style that I'm kind of like say no more. It's kind of like going to like your childhood friend's house. And like the, you know, you walk in and like the second you walk down their basement stairs, you're like overcome with memories of like sitting on their couch, watching like little giants underneath the comforter of somebody's sibling that had gone to college. And it's probably like a tartan or maybe it's a childhood comforter used on sick days like a Ninja Turtles. I feel like we didn't really F with throw blankets in the 90s. Like I straight up was, it was, you know, I brought a bed pillow and a full on comforter to the couch when I was lounging. 
uh, maybe if the person's parents come home from work late, God willing, you uh, can taste the sun kissed and the wood paneling surrounding you. It's just like a magical full on 90s immersive experience. And similarly, I feel that way about padded toilets like Though that is something that is so gross, that is so was so prevalent in the 90s that I remember as a kid being like, why isn't everyone doing this? This is comfortable as hell. Like, but as an adult, I'm like, ew, to create something that is very much designed for you to park, you know, get comfortable while you're something gross is happening mixed with like fabric and squishiness. It's impossible to clean. It's it's very strange, but it's so 90s. And I guess what my point is, I feel like the bathroom that they constantly dance in and this house in general to me. It just has big padded toilet seat energy like it's it's fancy, but it's dated and it's not it's it's very beige, kind of like the mind numbing, you know, beige uh, takeover of the early 2000s where we started watching House Hunters and then everyone became obsessed with like resale value and the way to like make your house marketable is you just like paint everything beige and make everything look the same. And like you can call it like vaguely Tuscan. It's like, you know, we all just kind of entered the old world in the early 2000s with our homes but then they all looked the exact same then the market crashed and then nobody could sell them I, i'm not I, I don't mean to be pretentious it's funny because like i have so many comments on like luxury items despite it being a person that can't afford them so should i be able to have an opinion i don't know but especially looking back you know there's a there's a very funny blog called mcmansion hell that points out the the glaring uh architectural and interior flaws of mcmansions that were trying to have all of the bells and whistles to like look like a mansion but are typically you know under what four thousand square feet or something you know like it's a pretty normal suburban house size but it kind of had mansion like vibes um this house is actually a mansion and it has no furniture and i guess that's because they want to dance I noticed this week they did get a couch and what seems like an eight by 10 rug off of Wayfair. Honestly, the fact that like Wayfair or like, I don't know, Overstock or World Market, West Elm, Pottery Barn, anybody, anywhere, for the love of God, get on board and realize you need to furnish this house for your own marketing opportunity. Like, are you insane? Only the, I've read a stat that like only four, like when it comes to like marketing budgets, it's estimated that on average, only 4% would be dedicated to something like a TikTok, which is pretty low because people just don't get it. But I think that if you're aware of this and how your product placement, how far reaching it could be, you wouldn't leave that house empty. Maybe it's empty on purpose. Maybe it's empty because they're waiting to do some deal with people. I don't really know. All I know is it's comically empty. They only use the exact same rooms every time. Yet I think there's like a lot of rooms. There's the address is floating around on TikTok, which isn't cool because it's like doxing. But naturally, I'm going to look it up because it didn't look right to me. It was saying it was like uh, 19 beds and 30 baths, but 1500 square feet, which that would be like you, you take Rachel Parcell's package receiving room and you count every single cubby as a bedroom. Like it just doesn't work like that. That That's probably the size of one room in her house. But like this house, there's like absolutely no way. So somebody photoshop that and put it on tiktok the address is right but the details are wrong it's actually a six bed six and a half bath house built in 1991 and i mean it's it has like the listings made it look so much prettier like the journey i was on with that house is almost funnier when i knew what it didn't look like because i could only gauge it by these like select rooms and i just was like in my head, it was like very Gordon Gecko. Well, I guess a younger version than Wall Street. Richie Rich. No, that was the Biltmore. Did you know that was the Biltmore, the house in Richie Rich? <laughs> my parents live in North Carolina. I was talking to somebody about the Biltmore estate. And like, um, the moron I am, uh, 
I was like, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with the Biltmore, the filming location of uh, Macaulay Culkin's 1994 hit Richie Rich that has a very similar plot line to that of Blank Check. And it's like, yeah, also the Vanderbilt's built it. Yeah, also like it has a lot of history independent of Macaulay Culkin. And that's where I need to keep those thoughts to this forum. And when I'm talking to human beings in the wild, maybe like stick to actual like historical facts and astute interests that people have. But, you know, I guess so then the Biltmore's classy. This would be like more like the I, I was expecting it would ultimately turn into the backyard and blank check, uh, the, you know, the water slide and the like, like it would be like MTV's cribs, like 50 cents, Connecticut or upper upstate New York house. That was like has a strip club in the bottom, you know, like if a bunch of youngsters are in a mansion, I would assume they like, for lack of a better term, like it's tricked out to the point of tacky. But this is just so empty. I find it so beige, so confusing. It's just it's like marked with popularity of the people, but not. It's not showy or opulent by any stretch. You just, you just know it's large. And the fact that they don't live there, I don't, it's not the benefit is just having a lot of space and a roof, I guess. They, they also do a lot on the roof. And I think something specifically about empty mansions isn't grand. It's very sad. It's very like, like recession vibes. You know what I mean? Like the, the opportunity this mansion presented at one point to where it was a bit of a stretch investment to now being empty, unsellable, house poor and having to be rented out to a bunch of teenagers because you can't sell it. You know, there's like a darkness there. I would really focus on the furniture and feng shui and design actually to make it comfortable and a well-working, you know, a space you can work well in. My concern is that people doing crappy things like releasing the address, even though I looked it up, but I wouldn't share it. Um, it's it like that's dangerous. And like, are they going to have to move? I don't know. I think the whole point is that it was supposed to be private. All I'll tell you is that it's an Encino. I honestly don't listen to my in <laughs> input about uh, mansions. Like, honestly, I'm I'm like, it's like armchair psychologist, but armchair rich person. Like I, I critique things as if I have like this fine eye and taste when really I don't at all. And I think that like, I don't know, it's just like fun to make fun of expensive things because they're expensive. And when you don't understand them, it's like, like a little bit satisfying. It's how I feel about golden geese, you know. They are the shoes, the cartoon shoes atop the uh, telephone pole that just like have twisted laces and have been through some inclement weather. They're cute as hell. Am I going to buy them? No. Do I make fun of them as a result? Yes. Is it from a place of my own insecurities? I mean, is a butt model admitted entrance into the hype house? Yes, of course. You know, it's no surprise, but I just wanted to acknowledge it's not like I have great taste. I just, you know, I just like to talk shit sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, so, okay. Beyond the what I think is the mind numbing beigeness and emptiness of the house is uh, there's a, a whole cast of characters. They all have their different strengths They're I find the girls to be seem really sweet and nice. Um, and a lot of them are really talented. The two I've probably stalked the most are Charlie D'Amelio, her sister Dixie D'Amelio and Addison Ray Easterling. Uh, yeah, I'm picking a sampling of people in the house. Uh, there's a lot of great ones and follow them. You can go to mine or actually if you go to Hype House, they're only following the people in the Hype House. So you can see who your faves are. The guys wear George Michael earrings. Um, it's like kind of this e-boy style. I call them Visco boys because I, I don't really like understand. It's it's just a different vibe. The nails painted. I was trying to look this up online. I'm like, how would you describe this? Like how Lil Huddy and Co. dress like again, like the George Michael earrings are something that. I'm seeing on TikTok, but like not in my everyday life, but I don't hang out with a ton of 19 year old boys. Um, they said it's a combination of skate culture, hip hop, anime, cosplay, BDSM, goth in the 90s, which 
It's a really interesting Brunswick stew of subcultures that, you know, if that's your personal style, that's your personal style. They also go on to say it often involves decorative chains and Chandler Bing polos underneath a mop of parted, middle parted hair dyed shades of purple or green. The middle middle parted mop of hair in colored shades is what I've noticed with K-pop and not necessarily E-boys. I, I, do I sound like an octogenarian? Like, I literally, I feel so old. This is what I, I don't want to sound like, but I'm just trying to think out loud. Um, so they have a really pretty specific style. My favorite guys in the house are the Wright Brothers, and similar to the original Wright Brothers, they too are taking flight because they're actually great dancers. They're really fun to watch. They have this really, like, upbeat, like, almost jumpy style, and I argue Charlie D'Amelio's best videos with them. Um, but other than that, I'm not super interested. I'm kind of interested in this dude named Bryce because he's one of my favorite TikTokers, maybe boyfriends. Again, we can't really tell because <laughs> they're not talking. They're just lip syncing. Um, but he's not part of, uh, the hype house. He's part of the sway house, which guys, these aren't sentences I, I, I foresaw myself saying in 2020. And I really do feel like I sound like a person asking about like rock and roll music but while I don't totally understand the guy's style just because I'm not as familiar with it it might be very west coast too um the girl style I find really interesting because it is a departure from what I'd argue the influencers of the 2010s really drove which is uh like have you ever heard the term baddie b-a-d-d-i-e I feel like that's when I, th- when I hear that I think of like the era of like Jordan Woods and Kylie Jenner and crew and how, like I said earlier, it was just like so high glam, so all about the curves and the cleavage and a full smoky eye and lash at all time, hair done, hair extensions. Like you really went full out all the time and you weren't really worried about like looking try hard because it was about just like being as sexy and done up as humanly possible to look like a Kardashian. But these girls are like the opposite. They really I actually kind of like it and respect it. And this is an argument for the girls in the hype house. They genuinely seem nice to each other. They seem like they're friends. They seem like they really support each other. And I feel like they're not like yet so spoiled by like the industry or like, I don't know. And they're all very different. Like if I Daisy, the butt model is so pretty. Like I she's a person I probably wouldn't even try to talk to because I like assume she wouldn't like me like the high school girl in me would be intimidated by her. But like she's really good friends with like the 15 year old who like, you know, she could kind of be like, why are you here? Um, and they all like wear Fashion Nova, Brandy Melville. I hate Brandy Melville because they think they only go up to like a size small and they're just basically like, it's kind of like what exhilaration was in the early 2000s. It's like these like this type of like fabric cotton t-shirt that you put like a generic print on the chest and you like scallop the edges a bit or something, make it a crop top. It's just, it's not even that cute. Um, but I don't know. I kind of like that they're not constantly wearing like bandage dresses either or like, they just are always wearing like sweatpants or leggings, but they always have their stomach showing like always, always, always without fail. So they don't really do their hair and makeup all that often. And they are often wearing a baggier pant or a legging. Um, it does intrigue me that there's a consistent level of comfort with, you know, having your stomach showing, because I'd argue for most of us, you know, it's like, yeah, you don't always feel like doing your hair and makeup, whatever. But more so than not feeling feeling like doing my hair and makeup, I don't feel like showing my stomach to have that be the commonality like of any day, any time, whatever I've eaten, whatever I've done is like, damn, I just something I can't relate to. Never have, never will. Uh, But I do like the natural beauty and the niceness that the women seem to convey on the app. It doesn't seem like an 
exclusive competitive environment. It genuinely seems collaborative and tip of the cap to them for that. There, a lot of people would argue they're, the 15-year-old dress is borderline inappropriate. Sometimes I think dance and cheer and stuff like you're used to, used to like basically wearing sports bras. And it's it's I don't know. I I don't know if it's like that big of a deal. And also, as I've told you, I really struggle with knowing like how to talk about uh, dressing appropriately when I don't want to like shame how people dress. It's a conversation I need to figure out before I ever have children. But like, yeah, sometimes it is a little bit weird because her parents are often in, in the videos and like she is like dancing very sensually. And there's so many curse words. So much choice language, fun top um, that I, yeah, it's just something like it's such a, it's so different from anything my parents would have ever been okay with, but we live in a different world now. Uh, but anyway, okay. So the key players, like for me to verbally list these off, it's going to make no sense because they're new names and it'll be confusing. Um, but all you need to know, it's not like 19 people and they all basically were, are TikTok stars that like started from home, previous Vine stars, YouTube stars, Instagram famous influencers. Some people that have pretty low followings is a dude named Paper with like 11 million, 11,000 followers, I mean, and some that are like, you know, 20 plus million. It's a kind of a range, like I said. And uh, the girls I like the best that I think are most fun to follow are Addison Ray, Avani, and uh, Charlie D'Amelio and her sister Dixie D'Amelio. I think they're the fun follows because they're all dancers. Like Daisy Keach is like so pretty, and you know her. Some of her contents I can't, I'm a little on the fence about, but some of it's good. Um, but she also like it's kind of a joke that she can't dance, and Charlie's sister Dixie can't dance. So sometimes when you can dance, if it's like still cringy, but like it feels a little less cringy because you have skill. It feels really tough when you don't have any dance skill, um, and. The dancers, especially, they literally all they do is constantly take videos of themselves staring into the camera, lip syncing, usually to hip hop music um, and doing the exact same dances over and over that then become viral and other people do them. And I think they don't even make them up half the time. But seriously, it's almost to the point where I'm like, they'll do it, you know, full out in that, you know, 90s bathroom, then, you know, one in the foyer, then they'll collab with somebody else up on the roof and then. They'll be, you know, at the Grove and they'll be like half doing the movements at like, you know, the Cheesecake Factory, dining al fresco. Then they'll like be in an airport lounge and they'll do it, too. And I'm like, but it's the same dance over and over to the same remix of a Sierra song, which I played earlier. Or I'll just play like a handful of like the really popular snippets right now. This next one's the most popular. It's called Renegade. Look up the hashtag. I want to learn Renegade so bad. I just like don't think it's going to happen for me. There's also, you know, like limp syncing duets from like old movies. <laughs> LOL old movies. You know, Gone with the Wind, Film Noir, Camp Rock. <laughs> this is good. This one is kind of like Addison Ray's specialty, I'd argue. I wish I never did. 
I swear to God, I swear to God, you stupid bitch. It's just like nice to like uplift women with music, you know, like never let anybody call you a bitch. Let them call you a stupid bitch. Like what? He's music. I'll stop soon. Just thought it would help to if, if you got, were like a little familiar with um what's popular. And you'll like the second you scroll through TikTok, you'll hear all of these. But this is kind of what I'm hearing a ton of lately. Uh, I mean, there's also like a, trends and like other types of silly like action videos people do. But I mean, in terms of the dancing, I'm really here for the dancing. Um, and I think the best the best Charlie has ever danced is to this song. And she was with the Wright brothers, the people that I said were like super bouncy earlier. It's a good one. It's very exciting. I know. Uh, okay. I think this is this the last one or second to last. Um, this is this is an example of like a fun remix. Um, Vance Joy's Riptide. Obviously, nothing will ever compete with Taylor Swift's cover of Vance Joy's Riptide, but. This is a fun, like, jumpy, uh, footworky one that Addison and the Wright brothers did really well. Well, there's one more that's pretty popular, too. It's about F your nine to five, disappear for weeks. Kind of like uh, Charlie D'Amelio has not been to school for weeks, but... Anyway, here it is. About that beat. Hop up in the Jeep. Hop. Put a little bitch in drive. Fuck my nine to five. For anyway, they're just, they're catchy. They're short. They all have the exact same choreography. People duet each other. They do it with different people in the house. Some people are better than others. Sometimes they half-ass do it at, you know, fast, casual restaurants. It's a whole thing. Um, so anyway, like I said, I'll probably really only focus on Charlie, Dixie, and Addison. I don't really have a ton to say about Addison other than like, she's so beautiful. She's like a young Brooke Shields. She has thick Denise Richards hair. Uh, she wears a lot of sweatpants. Um, I don't wear as many sweatpants. I'm fascinated by the volume of sweatpants. Also, the 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 jeans aren't just distressed. They um, survived some sort of Wolverine attack. They are truly shredded and placed back on their bodies. But, you know. I hate when people are like, you bought jeans with holes in it. Yes, I like an artful distressing. I understand. Uh, she just, I, I think she's beautiful. She's a pretty smile. She seems really sweet. She doesn't seem like a hot girl that's like mean. She seems like a hot girl that's like friends with girls. And she seems to be very supportive of Charlie and pick her up at the airport. And um, she, I don't know. There's something just so appealing about her. I honestly think that she just like is that, What what is that? What movie was it where you're like the perfect balance between cute and hot? Or is that an episode of How I Met Your Mother? That show did not age well. Um, she's cute and she's hot. And I think that like girls are like, oh, my God, we could be best friends. Um, and guys like want to date her. Um, and she just I don't know. It's like some people have it and she has it. She's like a fun to watch. She's actually was a dancer. Somebody DM means that they went to LSU with her and she did drop out. She's from Louisiana. Uh, I think she lives in LA now. I, it appears that her parents do too. Like, honestly, I don't know what's going on. Um, she dropped out of LLC to like pursue TikTok fame. The the thing about Addison, like I don't have anything to say about her, anything bad to say about her. She's like kind of dating Bryce. Like I said earlier from the Sway house, her mom, Sherry Nicole has 1.8 million followers. Her profile says a cool mom love wins. I know. I don't want to be mean. It's just like, her mom isn't a dancer. She's beautiful. Um, and, but she's in these 
you've heard the lyrics of the songs I just played. She's in these like dances that are like, I don't know, A, they require skill and B, they're like just kind of interesting choices to be in with your daughter. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that I don't have that like mother daughter vibe of like, you know, like, I swear to God, you stupid bitch. Like, you know, it's a little bit much. It's a little bit much. Um, But like the mom dancing in the background of the daughter's videos, it, it's a lot for me. And it's it's hard to watch a bit. And like, I just think a lot of you will feel this way about the TikTok parents. But at the same time, if you're able to get two million followers, like, I guess why not do it? It's hard. Like, when do you where do you draw a line and when do you capitalize? Uh, I don't blame anyone for capitalizing. Um, Like, OK, so. Addison's dad, Monty J. Lopez, is 371K. So I look forward to watching, I'm sure, his future podcast crush mine. There's still a lot of followers, guys, for like a dad that's like half into it. I think, anyway, uh, no, but like, see, the, the hands down, the most famous people that are such an enigma on this that everyone's talking about. There's a whole cast of characters, but like I said, I, I'm still in the midst of my deep dive. I haven't really gone in on everybody. But I'm just telling you, you'll you'll like Avani. I didn't go into her, but she's like she's talented. She's a great dancer. She's entertaining to watch. She's not polarizing. Um, Addison is really sweet and fun to watch. The only issue I have is with the parents. And uh, I think, you know, they're both stars. Then there's Charlie. This is happening. And I think like it's better to understand who she is now because you're only going to be more and more confused. Charlie D'Amelio is the one you'll hear about the most. She's a 15-year-old that lives in Connecticut. She is in high school. And I am in Brooklyn. Don't you always want to say that? It's uh, from Housewife, sorry. She has a sister named Dixie who's 18 years old that I think guys really like too. Guys are obsessed with these two girls. Um, they're like thin brunette, like small brunettes uh, with nice teeth. And uh, they are both in high school from Connecticut. They fly to the Hype House like so often that I feel like they are one, you know, leg away from being full on homeschooled because I don't I do not get how they're there so much. This girl is so freaking famous. In August, like I think late August, she had 100,000 TikTok followers. What, something happened this fall and she now has 20.9 million followers. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> she is a high school girl that's 15 with no connections, no fame, no nothing. Just dancing on her phone, who has 21 million followers now, is a member of this hype house and whose parents are letting her and her crop tops fly out to New York or fly out to L.A. with her sister and hang out in this mansion with boys. And she's dating Lil Huddy, the 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 co-founder of the hype house, who's 17 and who is like, that's the one I was talking about with like the, the, the painted nails and stuff that like is just somebody I would never be attracted to. That's like a popular vibe for teenagers now, I guess. Now that I'm talking, I'm like, wait, am I a sucker? Like, is this so obvious? Like, they're do they're playing like social experiments. Like, what gets hype? Because that would make a lot of sense if they were. And like, are Charlie and Lil Huddy really dating? Obviously, people are going to talk about it. He's like almost 18, which is a little weird for me. He doesn't. They don't have like physical chemistry. I don't really get it. Um, it just like seems like she's young, <sighs> but it is adding to the hype. That's kind of how I got interested. If I'm honest, I like the interhouse relationships. <sighs> Maybe they're pulling a fast one on us, guys. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Regardless, it's not going to end well. And for that, I am concerned for Charlie because she's so sweet and innocent. So Charlie is 15. She's dating a little huddy that's 17, who's one of the co-founders of the Hype House. Charlie is constantly in L.A. and I don't understand how she's in school. Um, she is a dancer and she really just kind of is. I feel like she. I don't know how to ex describe this. 
she doesn't even understand how she's so famous because what's so fascinating about her, I mean, I'm crushing this cliffhanger game. <laughs> Anyways, guys, real fast, our um, second sponsor of the week, two hours, two sponsors. Uh, you may have heard me talk about them. It is ButcherBox. They are a subscription service that sends you nine to 11 pounds of meat a month. And that's like 20, around 24 individual meals at less than $6 a piece. They're a meat distributed in the form of a subscription box that basically connects with local farms and co-ops and distributes um, high-quality grass-fed, 100% grass-fed beef, heritage pork, organic free-range chicken, wild Alaskan salmon, nitrate sugar-free bacon. All of their animals are humanely raised and free of antibiotics and hormones and are basically doing all of the things that I want to be doing to be more active for my health and be more of an advocate for what is more environmentally friendly and what is a more ethical living conditions for the animal. Try it for yourself. This is actually an interesting deal. Um, I think a lot of you got the bacon and ground beef before, which was also an awesome deal and two of my favorite products of theirs. But right now, if you subscribe to ButcherBox, they're giving away three pounds of free wings for the lifetime of your subscription. I mean, that's awesome. Three pounds of chicken wings every time you get your monthly box. So right now you can get free wings for the for life. And that by that I mean the lifetime of your subscription, plus twenty dollars off your first box. That's three pounds of wings in every box for the life of your subscription, plus twenty dollars off your your first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash be there in five or use promo code be there in five at checkout. That's F I V E, not the number five. So butcherbox.com slash be there in five or use promo code be there in five at checkout. All I ask is that you eat wings responsibly and use the uh, superior dipping sauce, which is ranch and not blue cheese. So everyone serves them with blue cheese, and I, I, I can't stand idly by and let that happen. So anyways, back to the episode. So the thing about Charlie is that her fame completely lies in her being wildly polarizing. Like, you don't even understand how much this is talked about. As she started to get popular, then half the people, like, found her endearing. Then half the people found her incredibly, like, plain, I think, and, like, mediocre, but then people obsessing over why she was popular made her more popular. And she like a quote from her is, I wish I could give everyone an explanation as to what happened, but I have no idea. To her, she's simply a teenager who posts videos of herself dancing on TikTok. So she won't be offended if you don't think she's interesting. I'm just doing what I do every day and posting it, I guess. It's very insane to me as it is for everyone else watching. I mean, so, yeah, in under six months, she's gotten 20 million followers. She's the most famous person now on the app. She's not the most followed. There's somebody with there's people with upwards of 30 that I think are that are more like the people that transferred over from Musical.ly, um, like Jacob Sartorius and co. Uh, but she's become the poster child of what this magazine, Mel Magazine, said is the embodiment of the strange, precarious and unpredictable new world of Gen Z online fame. Um, and this is like a such a topic of conversation and i like don't know how to talk about this without seeming offensive or shallow and like i don't want to talk about a teenager in this context but to me it's like so she's she's very soft spoken you never hear her talk she has stick straight dark brown middle parted hair a very young face a very innocent like her her mannerisms when she's talking and interacting with people are so so youthful but she dances like very maturely. Um, some of her dances are good. Most of them are just kind of like, I just don't know if the moves on TikTok show off your range of technique, but she's usually just like in her bedroom dancing and doing not that much and getting 20 plus million views. And people are just like, what's happening? But it's making us all view them more. And beyond that, her sister Dixie is 18, who, who cannot dance and who just is on TikTok, like mouthing lyrics sometimes, like getting in the back of Charlie's videos. And now she's insanely famous. 
And she goes with her sister to the Hype House. And I don't know if Dixie's dating any of the guys. She's rumored to have dated different guys. But she's considered like one of the biggest mega hotties of them all. But she's not even really a part of it. She's just the sister that's able to come all the time. So Dixie, her Charlie, her sister Dixie, and her parents all signed with UTA this month. The, their parents have hundreds of thousands, if not now millions of followers on TikTok. And her parents do uh, TikToks also, independently of them. This is this is cringe on another level. And like, I worry that they're more they're more interested in being famous than like helping guide their kids through what is inevitably going to be a, a rocky path of instantaneous fame. Um, I just uh, I question the intentions, I guess. So with Charlie, you probably haven't heard of her. If Like, I don't know. It's a funny thing where she could not be more famous among that age segment of like 16 to 24 maybe more like 22 um it's funny because she's even younger than it but i think also there's so many layers to this it's like what like what are you doing dating little huddy like how are you going to hawaii without your parents with like with your boyfriend or like sleeping at the hype house if you are like who knows who's there behind the scenes like how are you continuing to like skyrocket in fame and like you don't even say a word like we know nothing about your personality like and I think the lay, other layer of this is, you know, apparently among guys in high school, like high school dudes are obsessed with her. Like they are like obsessed with how she looks, her mannerisms. They like will fly in from different states, like ask her to go to dances with them. They like constantly make duet and reaction videos of her. And like she's just like it's just interesting because I and I think with part of the polarizing nature is that these young women are annoyed that their peers are so in love with her. And that it's not super obvious what the draw is. But I, I'd argue that that is a tale as old as time. And that sometimes the, the, the women that a lot of men are super drawn to, there is that kind of thing among their female peers that are like, what's the hype? Like, I do think there's something about a more understated, quiet person that draws you in. And the second you notice, they don't have as obvious of beauty, but the second you notice you're, they're beautiful, you can't unsee it and you're almost enthralled by it. Does that make sense? Like, I think there's people that you catch your eye, like their head turning. And then I think there's people that like you get to know where you watch and they become so beautiful, but they're, they're kind of being more reserved, adds this layer of intrigue to them that is just is the perfect formula for uh, people to be obsessed with them, but the person is kind of mild-mannered and not reacting to the obsession, that it makes it even more intense. This is my experience observing, you know, the guys that girl, you know, the girls that guys always wanted to date and not me. This is why I've always been like, I feel like a cheesy blonde. Like, I feel like a lot of times the the real intrigue lies in the brunettes because um, blondes have just been like so typecasted to like be a certain thing or way. And I, whatever, it's like, I'm fine. Clearly, my like I've not been marginalized. Um, but I just mean in terms of feeling like it's just like it's interesting. Like she is the one with all the followers, all the hype, all the obsession. And she's in the same house as a literal stunning blonde butt model. In my day, the stunning blonde butt model would be the one with 20 million followers. In Gen Z's day, I think an interesting representation of this ethos is this fascination with her. And even though I'd argue that in normal circles, I completely understand the type of situation that's happening with her. In terms of famous people, it is like, you know, when I was, I was big when I was in college, like Kate Upton, I don't know, like the kind of sports, sports illustrated style person. But I like I don't hate that young men are into, you know, a girl for other reasons than like besides her bod. 
Um, but like also I don't feel comfortable commenting on the body of a 15 year old. She's just like small and petite and like shows her stomach all the time. And I don't really know if there's any much else to say, but she's not like curvy. She's any, if anything, underdeveloped, like she's very, very young, which again, this is weird. Um, but I just think that like part of the polarization is, is honestly probably the jealousy of young women. Um, it's the kind of mediocrity of the content and the fact that there are better dancers on here, but why is she specifically luring us in? You add in her sister, her parents, her being part of the hype house, her dating the co-founder of the hype house. And it's just like, she's absolutely exploded. And I think she's like largely tortured because like, even at school, people like Snapchat and post about her and like. She's so famous among her peer group, but also the what's the hype hype. It's is inherently offensive and it's a lot of negativity. And as a 15 year old, I don't really know how I would handle that. If I were her parents, I would I would I don't even know. It's a lot. And even like, look, at, I'm a 32 year old woman talking about her and I, I feel uncomfortable even doing it. But like my point is that this is the type of um, fame that we're you know navigating pop culturally right now that uh, doesn't make sense from the side of the consumer or the famous person and it's just brand new territory and okay so in december the first like scandal hit and there was like photos leaked and they weren't nude and obviously they're minors which is a problem of her and her sister they were more like suggestive photos i think that were probably sent on snapchat of like you know them showing off stuff maybe sending to boys and um so that like scandal happened and they made a video uh, to this popular like remix song that they dance to all the time. And I remember seeing this and being like, what is this? They're not they're barely even trying. It's like a video of them doing like the father, son, Holy Spirit and like a prayer hand and like looking sad and weird. And they didn't they just walk away and it's took a Camila Cabello's my oh my song. Like I swear on my life, I've been a good girl. And, I, and it has like 50 plus million views. And I was like, what is this? This is terrible. But that was like the day, I guess, of this like photo scandals. It's just and that's how they chose to respond. Again, no talking, just lip syncing, just dancing. Um, and that's what's funny with the Charlie thing is the other problem, too. I just I don't have much else to say because I don't know anything about her. So the only things I can comment on are like how she looks and how she dances, which is weird to do when you're 15. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that if you don't have this sort of like hyper obvious traditional beauty of like what the media tells us is like a you know va va voom bombshell in you in your like a jealous 14 year old and all the boys in your class like love her you're gonna be like she's not even that pretty and it's just like whatever it's just teenagers being teenagers and it's rude and whatever and she's a beautiful girl and um i you know i think everybody de deserves to grow up in a context where they are allowed to exist without constant commentary on their looks in this case her looks are working in her favor but i assume she's getting a lot of hate and i worry about that I cannot believe her entire family's with UTA. Her dad's scandal, not scandal, but like it recently was resurfaced that her dad got like a DUI in 2011 uh, after going to a casino and like picked up a bunch of random people at a bodega. And Charlie was in the front seat while he got the DUI, which is not great. Um, he's also, I think, was running for uh, to be a Republican senator in Connecticut at one point, but also like. Like Dixie D'Amelio doesn't do anything. I'm like, what is she? <laughs> it's so confusing. Um, and I wouldn't be so harsh if like these I could see these people's personalities conveyed, but they're just like not doing anything that special besides these TikTok videos, which are entertaining. But I'm not really sure how that translates talent wise outside of it, unless you're just like a general influencer who hawks products and makes like lip syncing videos and that I can't hate on. It's just like funny that like uta would like bounce on this and parents and not just the stars but i mean i guess you know they're really maximizing who the hell knows
all I know is people, you know, uh, really what thrives on TikTok are narrow rib cages, long torsos, crop tops, an attitude of an air of mystique that it doesn't really makes people unsure of how to feel about you. Um, And an ability to make facial expressions like dancers and cheerleaders do, but in a way that's not as off-putting as watching a cheer competition. My sister-in-law told me the key to dance faces because I, I'm just not a person that uh, looks good candid. I just, it's just my, I just have, my, I have a dumb face that just doesn't like, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but like, I can't. Um, I like even people like will take pictures at live shows and like, they're like, sorry, I didn't post them. I couldn't get like the right photo. And it's just always me. Like my eyes are like rolled back in my head or like my like chin is like, down or i'm like making kind of a open mouth expression or scowling and it's just it's just not cute but you could you know screenshot hit pause on any of these videos of these girls and they just look like little dumplings and um they the key my sister-in-law said who danced is that you you do vowel um sounds a e i o u so imagine yourself in a cheer competition like ladarius jerry you know morgan in the gang and if you mouth a e i o u it kind of helps you like figure out how to move your face in a way that's not like, you know, to my problem is I was like, well, how do you know how to shape your face? But now that I know there's like a process to it, it's kind of like if you want to look like you're talking, you say watermelon. I always say watermelon when I'm a bridesmaid um, and they are like, want you to look candid, but I, you don't look like you're talking if you're not talking, but there's a way you can move your mouth without having an off-putting candid face. Anyway. Uh, it's, it's interesting too. And I also noticed Daisy and Charlie are, are trying to bring back headscarves of the nineties. I've heard these called skank bangs before. I don't love that term, but I think that's kind of like a, you know, colloquial term people use, you know, in the, in the, the days when we would deliberately live out, leave out two chunks of our hair in the front, um, sometimes to spiral curl, to add a little flair to a baby's breath up to sometimes it was just simply to, you know, sometimes when your hair is pulled back pretty slick, you want to still remind people that you're like, you know, like you have long hair um, and you also want to look like you didn't try that hard. It's like hair is just like falling out of your ponytail. But when your ponytail is like stick straight, slicked back, perfect. And you have two pieces selected from the bunch that are symmetrical. It actually was probably even harder to do that because it's harder to pull pieces of hair and not affect the rest of your hair. It's a look I really don't like. Uh, that Charlie does quite often with very specific stick straight hairs pulled out from whatever hairstyle she has. But I give all the grace in the world to a 15 year old navigating their style. I will remind you at this age, I was wearing inadvertently pervy Abercrombie t-shirts from the clearance rack, like midnight cowgirl. I also, you know, was sporting like double spaghetti strap tops. I give anything my style icon at the time was Violet from Coyote Ugly movie. I wasn't allowed to see, but would see it at the occasional sleepover with a friend whose parents had looser rules. You know, they would pour alcohol on that bar and set it on fire. Like, what? They, that entire, that, there's so many weird things about that movie. And I think and there's one episode, it's like half of a Royals episode where I talk about Coyote Ugly kind of at length and center stage, which two of my most inspirational films. Um, but I really like, can't emphasize enough how how you know grounded in reality i thought coyote ugly was like i thought that's what bars were like i i now i'm 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 plagued by the you know waste of alcohol just like pouring in people's mouths constantly like they they would take like those pizza hut pitchers of water and just like like drench themselves they are in a dunk tank like this isn't what would you do with mark summers 
Remember that big eyeball in the intro? Uh, but why am I talking about Coyote Ugly? I'm starting to lose it. This is getting long. Um, I want to kind of move on because you get it. Like, I think the I think it's just an interesting story of how fast this happens. I think it's wild. Their entire family's independent of talent, of representation. I think they're either going to ride hype or the hype will build to clout. You know, it can go either way. Alex from Target, all hype, no clout. But I just think that is like the way the women look and act and dance and produce content and their fashion and everything about them, like they're ruling the world. And I think they will for a little while among like, you know, eight, like under people under probably 22. And uh, I just say, watch out for them. I don't know if this Charlie girl is going to be like a multimillionaire any day now. or if she, I don't even know like how long it takes to capitalize. I can't believe Addison has a cover girl deal. Uh, but I just think that like it's a it's a, it's an interesting question to ask. Like when you watch these videos, like you find yourself drawn to them. And you're like, why? Like what? Why am I here? Why can't I stop scrolling? And like you'll just kind of get it. And it's I think a really interesting type of content that sucks you in like other platforms don't. And honestly, any if you did any of this on other platforms, it'd be really embarrassing. So I just I don't know. I think it's a very, very fascinating medium that I feel like is only going to get bigger because uh, we all want to be performers like we all want to do something cool like we all wish we could dance i mean at least i do uh and like if you're able to kind of put down that you know embarrassment like kind of shove it down and just like do something vulnerable and like dance in front of everybody perhaps it's very freeing i don't know but i think that everyone kind of like sits on the sidelines and sneers because they would never do it but they'd probably never do it because like they'd be too embarrassed isn't there something very beautiful about all of these young people not being embarrassed and like a lot of them being embraced, you know, matter how weird they are, no matter if their hair is described as a mop with a middle part and a Chandler Bing polo. Like what a picture. <laughs> I might uh, send my kid to retakes if that was the case on school picture day. I don't know. It's confusing because that's thirst trap culture. It feels inappropriate. It's but it's not illegal. It's just like, geez, why? The behaviors of young people on social media sometimes are just shocking to me. And that like, I, as a, if I were a parent, like how would I feel about it? And the thing is, I get it. I, too, you know, once was a young person trying to solicit attention by any means possible. For the love of God, I covered my face and blushed so people would thought, thought I went to the beach. Um, but anyway, it's just it's 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 tricky of like what is just a weird cultural thing that just feels inappropriate and what is actually inappropriate dangerous and needs to be regulated. Bite Dance, the parent company, has not been like accused of any specific wrongdoing or data crimes um, as it relates to that, but just the, the the threat and potential of having access to that data is what's being investigated. Anyway, good times. I'll wrap up. Uh, the thing I didn't say earlier, too, like the one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode, well, A, I almost panicked and pulled this episode because uh, like a lot of you didn't know who Charlie was. And I was like, Oh no, if they're like rejecting the concept, they're going to reject this episode. So I don't really know if anyone's going to listen to this. Uh, but I wanted to still try to make it entertaining, at least help you learn something. Um, and beyond that, I think like in my own personal experience, like ev literally every aspect of my career, um, is hard to explain to people that aren't technologically savvy, that are often older than me, that, you know, that kind of boomer millennial type of dynamic. I was talking about earlier where I feel like, especially recently, even like the past few weeks, I've had a few conversations with like older men, like, you know, over 55 
in different contexts and uh, who've just really tried so hard to make me feel so small and unimportant because they don't understand what a podcast is. And like, that's fine. Uh, but I just want to, I don't know, remind people that uh, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real and it doesn't mean the person doesn't work hard at it. And it doesn't mean that it's a completely viable medium to make money and uh, to to work on, like just because it didn't really exist when like you were coming of age. Right. Like if I had the opportunity to make millions on TikTok, would I? Uh, yes. Like, give me my tap shoes. But I just, you know, I think that we don't know how things would feel until we're in that situation. I know I make fun of them a lot, but what I'm trying not to make fun of is the platform's you know, relevance or importance or right to exist, period. And uh, anyway, guys, God bless. Thank you for listening. I uh, have a couple live shows coming up. Nashville, Galentine's, uh, February 15th. We're trying to figure out something fun to do afterward. Um, It's going to be really fun. I'm very excited. It's a matinee. So get drunk at a mimosa brunch before and then come at 4.05. All the meet and greets and VIPs are sold out, but general admission is still around. And um if all goes well, maybe we'll figure out something afterward where people could like meet at a bar. The thing is, I can't, I can't, I, the formal meet and greets are important because like there's no way in hell I'd ever meet everybody at a bar. So at least I get my concentrated amount of time with people, but we can figure out somewhere to go after. And I don't know if that's like stupid with a couple hundred people. I don't know. I, I don't know how this works, guys. We'll figure it out. Um, and then uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day in Short Pump, Virginia. I'm so excited. I'll we'll talk about more of that, that more later, but tickets are live uh go to be there in five.com slash live and don't forget to support our sponsors uh clearme.com slash be there in five and use code be there in five and same with butcherbox uh butcherbox.com slash be there in five use code be there in five i'm a lucky lady that i have such great sponsors and you can also um find my codes for advertisers on my website under the podcast tab so anyway guys as always i love you leave a five-star review if you can be there in five totally casual breezy Facebook group if you want to join. Just answer all the questions. And uh, yeah, good talk, guys. Uh, I am going to send it off with, you know, the original. I feel like we can't talk about this without acknowledging the queen who, much like the people on TikTok, sometimes I question if before they leave they brush their teeth with a bottle of Jack because th- there's a lot going on there. But it's so damn entertaining, much like Kesha's song TikTok. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Now the party don't start till I walk in. Don't stop me.